This is Paul Nobles from Eat and Form, and we are doing our monthly um, member call. This is basically for anybody that is a part of Eat and Form and wants to do some question and answer in a live setting. Um, we provide this uh, monthly. It's the last week of the month um, on a Thursday, and so uh, usually this is one that's heavy with Q&A, so if you get a chance, go ahead and let's go ahead and uh, get, the, get some questions going. Uh, if we don't have questions going, we'll just kind of ramble on until we do, but um, if we get a bunch of questions, it kind of gives us a signal that you folks want to talk more about your current situations than the topic at hand. So... Today with me, I have Carolyn Mele. Carolyn is our token Canadian. Um, she's also our token curly hair person. I don't think I'm supposed to say curly haired gray, but you know, you really pull it off. So I, I, I feel like it's an asset for you. Um, Becky, yeah. on, on the other hand, um, is sitting in her closet per usual. Um, I, I do not make her go there, just so everybody knows. Um, she, has a she has a family of like 74 people that live either in her house or near her house. So that's why she has to hide in that closet. Becky is the, um, the I always get it wrong, but she, she's- of coaching. She's, she's I, don't, I don't feel like it's- it, I don't feel like it's good to say that you're my right-hand person. I feel like at this point, I'm your right-hand person. So um, if, <laughs> if anyone wanted to know Becky on the, on the, on the ladder, that's where she's at. So a uh, couple, couple housekeeping things uh, getting into October, you know, end of October, November, December, not a lot of dieting <laughs> happening at this point. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of mistakes being uh, so the the folk the focus for these next I'd say ten weeks is really going to be kind of keeping people in line and allowing for a lot of grace along the way, right? Um, like as an example, my wife and I, our anniversary is tomorrow. Um, and by tomorrow, I will know how many years we're married. <laughs> but off of the top of my head, I know it's a lot, but I don't know exactly. I believe it's 27. Let's see, it was 95. Yeah, I'm pretty close there, right? Um, and so uh, we were married uh, in Zachary, <laughs> Bashery, Louisiana. Uh, the marriage license was pretty hilarious. Um, I'm, for people that don't know, I'm not originally from Minnesota. So we got married in Louisiana. So my family could be a little bit part of the process. And uh, it was hilarious. It was hilarious applying for the, the marriage license. We had to sign an agreement that said we were not officially related <laughs> um, within a certain parameter. It was pretty wild. The... The person, the officiator, was named Pegrin Mir. Um, so that's not a name you hear every day. 
And uh, all in all, it was a really, I mean, we could not have, we got married at Oak Alley in Vachery, Louisiana, which is one of the places that a lot of people go to visit when they visit New Orleans. I would highly recommend you do so. Um, it's beautiful. And the fact that we were married there just, you know, really is spectacular. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to kind of kind of do that. One of the things that we do as a family is between my wife and I and then my daughters, we go over the course of the year and and just what you know big highlights happen that year. And uh, usually that takes hour to two hours. We normally have some kind of dinner. The, the issue is that both my daughters are in college. Um, we are going to New Orleans next week. So I've been trying to negotiate that we could do it while we're in New Orleans. And, and my daughters seem to agree. My wife wants to do it over Zoom. So as most people on this call probably realize, my wife is going. We're doing it over Zoom. Um, no, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, we 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 do tend to vote. Um, my vote does not count. My daughter's votes count like double. So that's the best asset I have for doing it in real life in New Orleans. And so really excited um, to do that. Also, uh, Sarah Hoffman is going to be coming. So if you by chance are in. Uh, South Louisiana, we are going to the LSU Alabama game. And so if you want to meet Sarah and Paul, we could probably figure a way to make that happen. We don't have any direct plans. We were going to try and do some kind of tailgate meetup situation. Uh, it just, the problem with that is that, you know, you'll, you end up being stuck in one area and as a bigger group, you know, we're probably going to want to move around. It's my my daughter's and my wife's first chance to go to um, Baton Rouge. And so we want to be able to kind of enjoy it a little bit more. So it might be harder to find us, but not impossible. And so uh, my suspicion is that most people will be more interested to meet Sarah than me, but you get two for one. So hopefully that works out for everyone. Okay, so I'm just, we are already getting in a bunch of questions. And so I'm gonna try and keep this first part brief. Um, we do have one thing interesting that's coming for Eat Reform Kitchen. You'll start to see it probably early next week. We've been getting a lot of requests for a very long time to have low carb light meals so that they fit plans a little bit better than the light meals do right now. And so those will be showing up on um, hopefully Monday, but definitely by the end of the week for delivery the week in, week of the 14th. So that's really exciting. We'll also probably do some samplers of that. But uh, for people in fat loss, that is going to be a real big thing. We've been pushing for that for a long time. And along with, gluten-free options. There will actually be more gluten-free options because as we are adding in the low-carb lights, we're also adding in four uh, lower-carb meals. So um, that should be favorable for, for gluten-free. So we're, we're adding a few things along the way. 
Hopefully everybody's liking the changes. We also have another really big idea. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but it's coming for Black Friday. And it's a rethinking of the family meals so that um, they're a little bit more um, what your family would want to eat rather than three times the diet food, right? I mean, if anybody is doing the meals, you probably know that it's not really diet food. It's actually quite tasty. But, you know, if you're six years old, <laughs> you know, you're probably not going to love the balsamic vinaigrette with asparagus, right? And so we're trying to kind of mesh those two ideas and see if we can come up with a little bit better idea because we think that family meals um, is actually a, a huge advantage for most of you and something that most of you would like. So we try to take the feedback everybody gave us and get better from that. So super excited about all of that. Okay, I'm not gonna spend a ton of time. Like I said, you know, it looks like we'll have a good Q&A session. So um, I think that the concept of doing something you love is very important for you to be able to sustain things over time. So now I'm gonna tell you the part about how you shouldn't do something you love, right? And if you want to know how I did things, I experimented with a lot of things before I got to the thing that I love, but it would be hard to look at my body, right? With no shirt on, you know, um, and not realize that I spent a lot of time building muscle, right? And that muscle ultimately ended up being about 40 pounds of muscle over the course of about 12 years, right? Now, I don't love bodybuilding type workouts. Um, I probably like CrossFit a little bit more, but at 54, I just don't know that CrossFit's a great fit for my life. That isn't to say that for you, um, that it wouldn't be a good fit for you. I just think that one of the things that happens in CrossFit gyms, there's kind of two, two layers of people, right? There's the people that are definitely doing it to get the physique of the people that are on television, right? And then there's the people that do it because they love it and they want the challenge and they want to get better continuously. I did not love that part, right? Doesn't mean I'll never go to CrossFit again. Doesn't mean that, that I didn't enjoy my time there. I certainly did. It was the best fitness protocol that I'd ever experienced. Fit my lifestyle really well. Get in, get out. Definitely a workout that when I look back and go, wow, I look like a different human being based on that because I understood how to feed my workouts, all these things that were super positive. Um, but as many people know, you know, after that came powerlifting, which I also found that I loved, right? After that came uh, running, which I did not love, but it did serve a purpose. And it taught me some things about myself that I didn't know, right? And so that's a little bit of the discussion that I want to have here. And then, of course, I found pickleball. And I definitely have started to do more bodyweight type workouts. Uh, it's just really hard. As somebody who plays pickleball, Carolyn, 
knows what I'm talking about. If you play pickleball four to five times a week, one thought process that should be going on if in your head, if it's not, you're doing it wrong, is if you're playing four to five times a week and then also lifting weights, you are at a little bit of a risk for overuse issues. So you have to kind of find the right mix, which is why, by the way, you know, I did go into some weightlifting protocols right out the gate a few months ago and um, immediately tweaked my hamstring, right? And so um, I'm trying to be a little bit smarter, focusing more on pull-ups, push-ups, um, single-legged work. This is actually something most people don't know about Sarah. Sarah Hoffman, who has like these amazing quads, she doesn't squat to do those quads. I mean, she certainly can squat, has squat, but she does single-legged work. Anybody that, that, when you look at somebody with great quads, there's two things. One, they isolate those quads, right, for maximum hypertrophy. And then more often than not, they have access to a leg extension machine, right? You can really get a good pump from a leg extension machine. And Sarah actually made a post about this and she posted what she looked like. Uh, I don't know if it was after or before, but she was just focusing on what it looks like flexing with a pump versus not. And it was pretty striking, right? If you haven't had a chance, go, go check that out. Also, by the way, I really hope all of you are enjoying these reels. Um, we love doing them. I've got another one coming from Susan. Susan is committing to doing two to three a week, and she's seemingly liking the ability to get that message out there. So uh, all the feedback has been super positive. It's sometimes hard to know, right? Because, you know, if people aren't sharing or commenting on them or things of that nature, it's it's sort of, you don't necessarily know, but we know that they're getting lots of views. We know that there's a lot of good feedback. And so um, we do appreciate that. But um, when I look at whether I love something or not, you know, it would be hard to say that it was of no value to do isolated ab work, to do uh, bench press work, to do banded work, just in terms of the, the effect that that had on hypertrophy overall. You know, I was trying to, I uh, couldn't find this hat. I was trying to recreate a picture from when I was 162, which right now I'm 185 and after fat loss. And um, it, I swear to you, you would not notice a difference. Like you, would, you wouldn't think, but the difference is, because I, I, I was able to do it, I couldn't find the hat that I did it in. Um, and the one big difference is, is I took a picture and it looks similar to the one that I was 162 at 185. But the big difference is, is that my arms naturally are that big. <laughs> like, like for real, for real, like, like the, the muscle, I was not flexed. I did not pump workout, you know, what people, I'm, you know, by now everybody realizes that when people post these pictures online, 
they've probably taken a hundred of them and that's the best one, right? Um, that was certainly one of those pictures that, you know, I would have, you know, worked out, went to my room with the best lighting by far and go, wow, that was really impressive today. You know, um, there were certainly pictures that weren't like that, you know, but um, I feel like, you know, one, well, one, I mean, it, it, there's no question that people are more motivated by Stephanie's stories or Sarah's stories or Cindy's stories or Carolyn or Becky, right, than they are by mine. <laughs> I get it, right? Um, I'm sure that there's a few guys out there that are like, uh, yeah, I guess I kind of want to look like this remotely fit guy. Um, but I don't think that that is the majority of people that follow each form. I've accepted that, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but it's nice to have all of these great female role models with all these different body types. Um, but I can tell you that as an example, um, Stephanie used to be a runner and she loved running. She ran track in college. Um, she hates running now <laughs> with a passion, right? Um, she just loves what she does now in terms of what it does for her body, what it, how it makes her feel. She does kind of a high intensity, uh, well, sort of depends on how you define high intensity, but she does kind of a higher intensity workout um, that is, uh, you know, prolonged, right? So kind of keeping heart rate up. Um, just if you've ever done any of the workouts, I'm sure many of you have, they all suck, you know, and that's how she prefers to work out, right? And part of the reason why she prefers to work out that way is because it gives her the static that she wants, but also um, it feels some crazy need in her head um, for pain. Um, and uh, I constantly joke with her that that these workouts should be called like broken glass or hot coals or, or something that actually identify what it's like to do them. But I think many of you out there do like to do these kinds of workouts, right? Because you know you worked out when you did it, right? For me, I had my stage with that, right? I mean, when I was 260 pounds, part of the process of eating over 5,000 calories was sometimes working out three days a week. And once I was done with that, I was kind of done with that, right? And I needed to find like a happy medium and more of what I love. So what I'm saying is, is that what you love changes, right? And it's like any relationship, your relationship with exercise, if, it, if it's not evolving, you're doing it wrong, right? And so, um, but I also think it's really important for you to think about, am I going to be able to do this when I'm 80, right? Um, so, so sort of look like maybe it might be a version of some of the workouts that you're doing now, right? But what I would hate to see people do is set up this lifestyle related to 
super high intense exercise. And it, what's interesting about like the CrossFit experience and, and what you see, because, you know, CrossFit, you know, there's talk of this great methodology and things of this nature. The, the big appeal to CrossFit is you get in, it's an hour and you get out, right? Let's, you know, and then most of the time you're doing some level of warm up, you're doing some level of lifting, and then you're going to do some workout that is roughly 15 to 20 minutes, right? And so people love that aspect of it, the methodology, things of that nature, as it has evolved, basically just comes down to um, people knowing that if they work on these various aspects, once they get to the test, which is what the watt is, they will be better at the test, right? But there's a lot of people that just show up, work out at about 60%, get a good workout and leave and love that piece, right? And, and I have seen that work for 70 year old people. And so I think that that's a that's a plus, you know, you certainly have seen that evolve, right? Where modifications, um, I mean, it used to be a thing. I know in my gym, it certainly was that there was a lot of pressure to do the RX workout. Now there's infinitely less pressure to do that because, you know, it, <laughs> you know, the thought process way back when was it's not, it's not if, but when you were going to get hurt. Um, when you modify, there's less risk of that, right? And so you got to kind of keep that in mind. Okay, so let's get into the question. But just to summarize things, I just want everybody to understand that when you hear me say you really need to love your workout so that you can do them over time, it's okay to audition things that you don't love, right? My experiences with bodybuilding, my experiences with CrossFit, my experiences with powerlifting have all um, have all uh, colored my view of what actually works, right? And I know what actually works. I made a video about that. And it's like, you know, I know it works, but I don't necessarily want to do that, right? And so... If I was focused on having eight pack veiny abs, I would do that, but I wouldn't love it, right? I've already done that. I know that that's possible, right? So now it's really more health and longevity. So kind of keep that in mind, you know, and I think it's okay to be in either place. Caroline. Uh, no, we don't have questions in here. We were, we just have, um, Stacy was confirming about how many years marriage it was because she was married the same year so we oh, have nice. that and then katie was saying that um she comes from chack bay la a few miles from batch batchery um oh. if i pronounce if i'm pronouncing that right but no questions i mean yet. you should be able to pronounce it as a canadian it's bashery <laughs> bashery okay i didn't know there was a french in there but yes um, Melissa is um, asking a question. Uh, your thoughts on overtraining? Is it a thing? And how do you know if you are overtraining? So, hold on one second. I just need to change. 
Can you say something, Carolyn? I just want to double yep. check that. Okay, perfect. Um, so how do you know that you're overtraining? Well, so when Eat Reform started, there was this big idea of adrenal fatigue. Everybody had it, right? And that was the reason why they were failing. And certainly there are, there is a concept of tapping your adrenals. But the idea of adrenal fatigue is mostly been debunked as a myth, right? So there was like a whole industry kind of that had evolved around adrenal fatigue, you know, and all these people were doing these long, you know, $2,000 blood tests, you know, that was mostly bogus, right? Um, the best thing you can do if you have access to it is get an HRV device, right? So I have a whoop, um, you can get it. You can get one on the Apple Watch. Um, Fitbit has this technology in a lot of cases, um, but it will tell you what your recovery is like. Most of it is based on your sleep, right? What I think your question is sort of underlying is: is why are you doing what you're doing, right? And that's an interesting question because if, as an example. If I was to say, okay, for the next two weeks, you're going to try and reach a goal. You might not be able to sleep all that great. You might not be able to do various things all that great. For two weeks, probably not a big deal, right? Um, but many people sleep five hours a night, right? Um, have been under eating for a long time. And then they want to know if they're overtraining. It's like, well, you're kind of asking the question it backwards, right? And so if you're saying to me, I sleep eight, nine hours a night, I eat an adequate amount of food, 24 to 2,500 calories for a woman. And uh, I'm concerned that I am overtraining. I was somebody that worked out three times a, uh, a day, right? I probably did that twice a week for about two years. Um, I never felt overtrained. Um, I could easily increase or decrease my, um, my activity. Um, I had started, okay, so, so there was actually a period, this is a good one. Um, there was a period where I definitely knew I was overtrained because I kept getting sick, right? So I was doing like these hour and a half long sessions at a super high heart rate with the idea that that would burn fat, right? And at that time, I wasn't doing much diet intervention stuff. I wasn't moving to mostly whole foods. This was actually pre what ultimately became each form. And what happened was I kept getting sick. Right. Because, you know, I was saying, well, I'm just going to I've tried dieting. That did not work. Right. Because I didn't have an exercise piece and I didn't have good balance in my life. That was the problem. I just lacked balance. So I went to. You know, I tried to do it eating, you know, the normal foods that I had, which was not 
amazingly nourishing foods. My protein would have been lacking, all these different things, but it was a lot of calories. Even with that, I just could not stay healthy, right? And so that's when I realized I needed to move to mostly whole foods. So what I did was, is I took my bad food choices and I gradually started adding in some good food choices, right? And so um, at that time, you know, uh, it looked a lot like paleo, right? So I was eating a lot of ribeyes. Um, I was eating a lot of bacon uh, or sweet potatoes cooked in bacon grease, right? Like, um, but I needed a lot of calories um, to do that. Instead of ice cream, I would have um, just like these uh, tubs of phage, like the 16 ounce tubs of phage with like uh, strawberries and cocoa nibs. And that was how I got my calories up. And I started to become less and less sick as my immunity got better, right? I mean, previous to what ultimately became me to perform, I was sick all the time, right? Um, and since, you know, moving to this place, I am not sick. You know, even, even when a lot of people would have thought I was overtraining, um, I was as healthy as I could be at that point. Now, there was a few issues. Um, I still get it to this day where, um, and it, it's kind of a, you know how like when you overdo things a little bit and you get kind of a sign, one of the signs is that my left eye will flutter every now and again. Um, that still happens to me on occasion. Um, rarely happens to me when I'm well-fed, well-rested. So, you know, that's certainly a sign of, of uh, being overtrained. Another sign of being overtrained is that, you know, one, your demand on your body is not being met by the demand of food. And so therefore you're sleeping five to six hours as a result, right? And uh, what you'll see, especially working with CrossFit Games athletes, Olympians, things of this nature, many of them not only sleep eight to nine hours, they nap, right? So they have lots of sleep um, on the table. So I don't think most people overtrain. I think that their work capacity just isn't caught up to where they are right now, right? Um, and that kind of changes and you, you almost always know it because you'll get sick, you won't sleep well, right? Or you're constantly feeling like you're working out at 60%. The smart thing that I did when I had those situations was I'm not one of these people, like I am a total baby when I'm sick, right? And so I, and like all bets are off. There's no macros. There's no anything. Whatever is going to make me feel better, that's what I'm going to do. And I did that at that time when when I was continuously getting sick. And that was sort of the path. So I think most of us kind of know when we're overtraining, right? I think we get confused because our North Star is, well, I need to lose weight, right? When you can take the, I need to lose weight out of the picture, 
now all of a sudden you can eat an adequate amount of food. You can work out at a certain place. You will make sleep a bigger priority, things of this nature. And so overtraining is one of those things that you kind of know. But part of what we were supposed to talk about on this call that I haven't really gotten into, I kind of have explained up to this point. I got to where I got because of a great deal of effort, right? If you're using the idea of overtraining to give less effort, I would want you to examine why, right? Or are you looking, let's not call it for any, let's not call it an excuse, let's call it a reason, right? Are you looking for a scapegoat of why you're not succeeding at whatever, right? Because I think what happens is, is we spend too much time in our head thinking about all of these things we want without enough analysis of why we want them, right? And so, um, that would be the thought process because I do think that you would know if you're overtraining. Um, Carolina, thanks for you. There's a follow up. No, but um, Michelle was asking um, if she missed the answer on how do you know if you're working out hard enough? Um. Well, are you getting better, right? So, so if you think about why you do exercise, there's only one reason right? It's not to burn fat. It's not to, to, to really do any of the things that everyone on Instagram says, right? It's to get better at exercise. Like, so, so this might sound like the most ridiculous thing ever, right? But look at Peloton, right? So the idea of getting better at Peloton, like what for? You're not going to go to the Tour de France yet, how many of you that have a Peloton are trying to beat your last time or trying to beat your friend or something of this nature, right? So that's getting better at exercise. That's kind of the point. And so um, if you're not improving as you go, then I think that that's a sign, right? Um, I also think, you know, I'd like to make the case for, um, well, you know, we don't have to go over it again, but why? What what are you trying to get that you don't have now? Right. And and I think that that when you can analyze that a little bit, you'll come up with a little better answer. But um, are you getting better at exercise? Certainly is one of them. Alex is asking, um, do you have to lift heavy to build muscle? I'm not a huge fan of lifting heavy. I can't lift too heavy even if I try. Seems like I've plateaued in that aspect. Well, you haven't. Um, you're just scared, right? Um, I was scared also for the longest time. I mean, I remember, I remember a, a time where I never thought that I could deadlift over 135 pounds, right? Because um, I was working with a trainer and the trainer is, is you know, they're trying to keep me as a client for training, you know? And so they're giving me these body weight workouts and all this other type of stuff. Um, I can tell you that without lifting heavy, I would not have added that 40 pounds of muscle. 
So that is a little bit of the answer to the question, right? Because, you know, if you are working out with 15 pound weights and um, I'm working out with 50 pound weights, the stimulus for change, and we're both doing the same reps, reps and sets, right? So a great example was when I started powerlifting, um, I was not, um, I wasn't doing a lot of body lifting or bodybuilding and any bodybuilding I, I was doing was really super light, right? Um, so much so that when I went to powerlifting, I actually gained fat, right? Even though I was able to lift so much more. Then when I started bodybuilding, now instead of doing, you know, dumbbell flies or whatever at 25, I'm now doing them at 55, right? So to say that that lifting heavy does not play a role, the answer is no. Does it play a role in terms of building muscle? Um, I would say that like powerlifting as an example, you're not inherently going to build muscle working out that way. You build the muscle when you use that extra strength and turn that into sets and reps, right? So I did not gain muscle powerlifting, but that added strength, once I use set, that for sets and reps, that's when I gained the muscle, right? So what I would suggest to you, if you think you have this problem, is you go in stages where you are working on some level of hypertrophy at the weights that you're comfortable working out at, I will say that I was I threw more caution to the wind than I would do now, um, and I was lucky to not get hurt. Um, I would not recommend that, you know. But it was something that I personally needed, you know. Um, it sounds like naturally you're not that person, and that's probably a good thing. Um, but that said, I think you do probably need to do like a progressive program, right? Uh, I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of fancy stuff out there. I just did Windler, right? Um, and Windler always served me well. So that is the answer. So I would do some level of hypertrophy. I would do like a three month strength session. And I think that that would make a big difference. All right, everyone, if you hold on one second, I'm just going to pause and then we'll come right back. And we're back. Sorry, my computer was about to die. Um, we have another question, Carolyn. Yes, Danny's, um, Danny is new to Egypt Perform, and I'm wondering what the thought is surrounding intermittent fasting, and if this is something that can be incorporated with carb cycling, is intermittent fasting an approach that is supported by Egypt Perform? So I intermittent fast, I think everybody other than you knows this, um, the, uh, I, I've always done it. Um, but the thing that that and and maybe I could do like a reel on it or something. I definitely did it all throughout the fat loss, certainly towards the last two weeks. Um, the thing about intermittent fasting is people want intermittent fasting to be magic, right? Where you don't have to count calories and and things of this nature, and then their fasting window closes and boom they're in the drive-through of in and out right and you absolutely 
can eat in a surplus in a very small window, right? And then you go, well, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. You know, um, it is a lot of people, right? That's one of the things they like about it, the flexibility. It's one of the things I like about it, right? If I only have, you know, 1,800 calories, I want to be able to have 1,800 calories that I enjoy, right? So when I'm not in a fat loss cycle, I typically don't intermittent fast, right? Um, certainly could, but you know, when your calories get high, it just becomes a little bit more difficult. Intermittent fasting is not magic. It's helpful as a tool to manage your caloric intake and everyone out there wants it to be magic. And honestly, for a lot of people, especially women, you become very susceptible to eating disorder type behavior. Right. And so that would be the only caution that I have is, are you, you know, what's your North Star? Right. And if you're new to eat and form, you probably haven't gotten to the point where performance is a big piece of what your program is. Right. That's all coming later, later on in the, in the line. But what most people who have done some level of intermittent fasting are uncomfortable with, I mean, one, what do we all like about intermittent fasting, right? Um, when you fast, especially if you're not drinking a lot of water or whatever, typically you're going to see that scale go down, right? And it's very motivating to see the scale go down. That's a good thing. That is not a bad thing. But you have to also realize that you're just dehydrated, right? So like constantly dehydrating yourself just for that motivation is not necessarily favorable, right? And so that can show itself in eating disorder type behavior. and. We're like really the only, like, if you think about it, right? Think of any other diet program that you've ever done. Which one has told you you're at risk for eating disorder type behavior? None of them, right? Because in general, they want to stay as far away from that discussion as possible. We have license to do that because we're not telling you to under eat all the time. And we want you to be able to mentally approach us in the way that is most possible. So what I think happens in the case of intermittent fasting, I know this is the case for me, it allows me to be most all in, get the maximum result, right? But if you're not aware, I did my fat loss in support of a friend, right? So this is interesting. I fasted, she did not. Coming out of fat loss, she's still losing weight and I've gained two to three pounds. Why? Because I was dehydrated and she wasn't. So she was actually losing fat, right? And I was just losing water, right? Now, there's a fat and water mix the whole way. Um, certainly being more hydrated now, I'm very lean. You know, I've been talking a lot about that in reels. Uh, it, one of the advantages of intermittent fasting is that you're more insulin sensitive. I've done a few reels on that where um, being in some level of restriction is favorable for that, right? So uh, it is possible that 
Um, I'm, I have less fat um, and, uh, you know, through that process. But without question, if the soul North Star is losing weight, she's losing weight, right? And she did not intermittent fast, right? And she's been able to continue through that process. And so it really kind of shows you, you could do it both ways. I think there's advantage mentally um, to, to intermittent fasting, but it also comes at a cost. And I think you have to ask yourself, am I doing this for the right reasons, right? And so I know for me, it's just something that I personally like. You know, I, 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 I'd rather do it that way. I'd rather have a bunch of calories rather than, you know, kind of spreading my meals out through the day, but both work extremely well, right? Um, and so there's advantages to both. If that's what you like, there's absolutely no reason you can't eat before I'm doing it that way. Just stay conscious of some of the mental signals. And once again, let's not ask, you know, let's not just go, I want this to happen, right? Let's now start to think about why do I want this to happen, right? And if you can analyze that, you're going to walk away from this whole process with your life change. I think we're good. We've answered them all in here. All right, it's hamburger time for Paul. I appreciate everybody being here. Um, thanks for the well wishes for our anniversary. It's not one of the big ones though, so I'm not sure these even count, right? Um, I do have kind of a joke. My wife and I, so uh, I don't know uh, if you guys have figured this out, but um, kind of a fly by the seat of my pants type guy, a um, little bit of a roller coaster guy. Right. This might surprise some of you ladies out there, but a guy like me has to do a little bit of selling to to get a gal like my wife. And so uh, it took seven years before I actually proposed to her. I, I don't know if, Becky, you know this story. I, I'm sure, Carolyn, you don't. I proposed to her within a year of us meeting. I was like, I, I want this for life. Right. I am signing up for this plan. Um, she's like, nah, she, she's like, she's like, look, I need a fixer upper as much as the other, uh, as any lady, but right now you just, you, you are, you are a mess, you know, and we need, we need to sort some of this stuff out. And, uh, but seven years later in Lanesboro, Minnesota, uh, weirdly, I don't know why I remember this, but I was watching Ohio State on football on the bed and all of a sudden she taps me on the shoulder gets down on one knee and puts a ring on my finger and so um it was a it was a cute story cute scene and that is part of our experience so 27 years yeah pretty wild um glad we're here and uh one thing that one thing that has come up a lot you know um recently because we have a lot of older friends because of pickleball now. And, uh, you know, we have a friend recently that uh, got divorced a couple of years ago who was married 32 years. And uh, man, you know, um, I think one of the things that we try to do is we always feel vulnerable, you know, that there always needs to be work, you know, to be done. There always needs to be, 
kind of that flexibility is literally like what I was talking about with the dieting thing, right? Like your, your relationship with exercise, your relationship with dieting, it needs to evolve over time. And that's what I think we've been able to do. But the one thing we do not do is take our relationship for granted, you know, and, you know, this, I'll just tell one story before I leave. And, um, I can't remember exactly. Oh, yeah. So um, I was talking to my wife about this new pair of pants that I bought, right? And so um, I you know, had her rub the pants. I was like, you got to feel this fabric. It's so amazing, right? So she feels the fabric and she reaches around and grabs my butt. And um I said, you know, one of the things that I think that we do well is we have the spice, right? Like, I think one of the things that happens in every relationship is that, yeah, you like, you like a steak and potato, right? But, you know, if you can have a loaded baked potato with like some butter on your steak, you know, with a little seasoning, I think that's what we do really well. And I would encourage all of you to do that, right? Like in those moments, one of the things that I've tried to do, I'm not always great at it, but one of the things I've tried to do in the last five years is when I think something, I tell that person. And I'm telling you, I'm talking about at Target, right? To complete strangers. And if you think this is easy, it is not, right? Like you see somebody with a feather hat on and you're like, wow, that is amazing hat. You look great in that hat. Or, you know, I, I try to stay away from, you know, that kind of thing. But, but you know, just kind of making sure that, look, anybody wearing that kind of hat wants to be noticed, wants somebody to say, that's a cool hat, you know? I mean, and and people want their individual individuality noticed and appreciated and and i try to do that and i spent most of my life not doing that but i definitely do that with my wife a lot and what i can tell you i know most of you here are, are women and you are wives what i can tell you is that the minute you start doing it it starts coming back to you the other way right um I mean, in spades, like, like, it's so amazing that once you start to become that person, now other people take up your cause and it makes a real big difference. So if there's anything you can take out of my 27 years, it's that we don't take it for granted. We do not take for granted that we're going to make it to 28, but we really do kind of try to keep that spice going. And uh, that's a real important piece of our relationship. So I appreciate everybody being here and we'll talk to you later. Bye now.